live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Good afternoon and a happy Friday to you and yours. November the 11th, the year 2022, a football Friday indeed, mixed in with a little hoops. And we are chock a block with guests, and we're not going to waste any time. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studio, spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons. He's in the uh, uh, on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, well, you can pop on your television set because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Biggest headline of the day came last night. Cajun Field. Louisiana closed out their home slate in style with a 36-17 win over Georgia Southern to keep their postseason bowl opportunities alive the Cajuns now five and five overall three and four in the Sun Belt snapped a two-game losing streak he was on the call of the game as the color analyst on the Raging Cajun radio network the former Cajun player former Cajun coach now doing his deal in the broadcast booth we begin our Friday with Gerald Broussard I didn't see that coming Gerald I'm thrilled that it did but man the Cajuns with a 27 to 7 halftime lead, and they didn't look back. Talk about it to me. Yeah, well, and, and part of it I didn't see coming, Jordan, and, and a big part of it was the defense's ability to keep Georgia Southern from scoring. Georgia yeah. Southern's been scoring over 30 points a game. Now, uh, Georgia Southern was struggling to stop people defensively, especially people on the ground. They were giving up 250 yards a game on the ground. So I'd anticipated the Cages being able to move the football. But the way things have been going for the Cajuns this year, Jordy, just the ability to finish drives was something that was a concern. Uh, I thought it was going to be a close game. I thought George Sutton would score a little bit more than he did, but it, it sure was. It was good to see it happen the way it happened, and, and even you know with, with four minutes to go in the game, it was still you know Jay and I were talking on the broadcast, Jordy, and just. Never felt like that that you you had control of the game only because of George Southern's ability to score. But uh, heck, just credit to the Cajun defense and then keeping them out of the end zone. Two hundred and forty-two yards on the ground, which um, beleaguers your point about uh, Georgia Southern uh, being like a sieve on the ground. But six point two yards per carry. Uh, you won the uh, time of possession by three minutes. Uh, you didn't get. You only got penalized four times for 25 yards, so it was a very clean game. And yet, um, man, they throw the ball all, all over the yard. Georgia Southern 358 yards in the air. But was there was there a specific turning point in the game in your mind? Yeah, I th- and, and, and it's not going to sound like a turning point when I say it this way, only because uh, 
the, the way the Cajuns started the game, I thought was was really good. And then Georgia Southern had an opportunity to get points. Uh, they were down by uh, I can't can't remember the exact score, but they were going in uh, to get some points there against the Cajuns in the in late in the second half. And the Cajuns were able to turn them away on a fourth down. And a number of times, you mentioned George Southern's the yards throwing the football, but just, Jordan, they weren't able to get anything going running it. And and mm-hmm. the Cajuns were trying to match stuff up uh, personnel-wise just when they were changing, the Cajuns would change. And it made for a couple of close calls with some 12-man 12 12 on the field stuff. But I, I just – I, I can't say enough how good it was for the Cajun defense to be able to validate each score of the Cajun offense. When I say that, it's one thing to go score, but then your guys got to come behind you and stop the, the opponent from scoring. And the Cajun defense was able to do that just throughout the night. And, and then that's where the separation was able to take place. Um, Gerald Broussard with us. A couple of individual um, outstanding performances. Ben Woolridge with three. First-half touchdown passes. Kenneth Almanderes ties a school record with five field goals, and Mr. Hill Green ties a career sack mark. So you got a quarterback that's doing well. When drives stall, you got a field goal kicker doing his deal. And to your point, man, if you can pressure that quarterback a little bit, got him to throw an intercept, uh, got him to, you know, they, they did have one turnover, a fumble, on a, on a hit, on a sack of the quarterback. Uh, so you put that all in the tumbler and – Man, that's a huge win for the Cajuns. No, it really is. And and, and this is a, a, a desperate George Southern team also, so that just makes it even better. But, no, really glad to see Kenny Almanderas be able to come in and have a good game. Had the five field goals, Jordy, and the Cajuns went for it on fourth down in the red zone inside the 10 early in the game where mm. Coach Dez talked going up at halftime where he said we probably got a little gritty, should have took the field goal there. So he beat. He, I wish they had given him a chance for that six right there and set the record, but we're pulling hard too for Hill Green uh, to Zion Hill Green, the defensive tackle, to get to get the the sack record there. Now he's got a couple more games where he can get right. it, uh, but would have been nice to see him do it at the house, especially you know one of the guys that had just got broken was uh, Jeffrey Mitchell, who played for the Cajuns back in the '90s and stuff. He's yep. a state trooper now and was on the sideline as security for for the game. So that would have been kind of cool to have him there for it. Yeah, also Christian Ringo, who played from 2011 to 2014. They all three have 21 career sacks. I'm I'm sure uh, Zion Hill Green's going to take care of business. Now, a couple of days off, and on the 19th, you get to go to Tallahassee to take on the, the Florida State Seminoles. That's the money game for the year. Um, and, you, and then you then you got to go on the road to San Marcos, and you need one win. Uh, but they got the win they had to have, and that was the one at home to close out the the regular season um, uh, at home. So, all in all, uh, what did you think of Ben Woolridge? Tough guy, Jordan. He's a tough kid. I'm just telling you, he he, he made some plays. He threw the ball really well early in the game, and, and made some really nice throws. And made some some conversions, some four, uh, third down conversions with his legs, and was able to protect his body a little bit. Last week mm-hmm. against Troy, sort um, he he he. I mean, he took a beating now, and and did, right. and and took it upon himself to take that beating. I mean, he he didn't turn down a collision. He was trying to run over people, jump over people, and just you know, and, and with a short week. 
I, I was telling Jay during the game, I just, I just want him to go down at some point, but he yeah. just, that's not in his nature. But he did run out of bounds a couple times and, and, and saved himself from a collision, uh, controlled the guys up front, did a good job with it, made some nice throws down the field throws, and, and um, showed his toughness again and his ability to get the Cajuns moving with the football there. I, I think that you know this, this is going to be a neat week to see because I do think these two extra days are going to be huge just to get some people well. Yeah. And, um and, you know, get 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 ready for a Florida State team. Look, nobody's anticipating the Cajuns go to Tallahassee and win the game. That's good. You know, let's just go out there and play. And, That's and right. regardless of what happens, you know, you got gonna gonna have an opportunity to go get it done in San Marcos. But but um, I, I'm really anxious to see how this team gets a little healthier at this time of the season. I know Coach Dez is going to do a good job trying to keep them guys from beating each other up to get them ready for the, for the last couple of games here. But, uh, you know, you see the leadership of Ben. In fact, I told our sideline reporter, my godchild, Cody, as you know, I said, bro, I said, get an IV ready. I'm watching Ben in the pregame huddle and he is just going ballistic. I mean, just, you know, just swinging his arms around and getting a chant going and just going crazy. I man, get, get him, calm him down a little bit, but he well, came out, he was motivated and hyped. And, and, uh, yeah, I like the guy. I mean, he's fun to watch. Gerald Broussard, I can't thank you enough, man. Enjoy a weekend off and uh, get ready to head to Tallahassee and the Seminoles. Um, the, the hopes are still alive. So thank you, my friend. You bet. Y'all have a great week yourself. Jordan. You too, Talk my soon. friend. You too. Gerald Broussard joining us. Delta Media is your home for thrilling high school football playoff action. The Acadiana Wrecking Rams will begin their playoff run at home tonight. You can hear it on MeTV 97.7 FM and 1330 AM. The Vermilion Parish Game of the Week will feature Erath hosting Eunice and can be heard on 106.3 Radio Lafayette, while the St. Landry Parish Game of the Week will broadcast Northwest at Iota and can be heard on News Talk 98.5 and 1520 AM. So tune in tonight to Delta Media, your home for Friday night football. We'll talk around the SEC, Adam Spencer, Saturday down south on this Football Friday edition of the Jordy Heltberg Show. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we continue on this Football Friday edition. And November the 11th, every game becomes even more significant with so much on the line. Adam Spencer, Saturday down south, is... Um, in the number two hole today, but always number one in our hearts. Adam, good afternoon, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Jordy? I'm terrific. My LSU Tigers did it against the Alabama Crimson Tigers. How exciting was that? I I'd love your impressions as a neutral observer. Yeah, I mean, that was that was awesome. I mean, it's it's just incredible what Brian Kelly has done, even, you know, in his one year there, but more specifically, yeah. just since week one when that was a sloppy team that made too many mistakes on special teams and just, you know, Jaden Daniels was not comfortable in the offense yet. You know, it took a while to get his rapport going with his receivers, but I mean, now they're like already firing on all cylinders. This is something that, you know, you bring in a coach and like the NFL and it's like, okay, well we got like a three year process here to like get everybody learn. Like, but no, he's done it in like 10 weeks. And, uh, it's been really impressive to see and, uh, you know, just the guts, you know, I haven't really thought of 
Brian Kelly is a, you know, a, a riverboat gambler, you know, a guy who puts all his chips on the table, but uh, he did it on that two point conversion play and, uh, yeah. and it worked. So, I mean, credit to him. I mean, the job that he's done there uh, is, is awesome. That program has been turned around. The fan base is fired up again. And, uh, you know, the SEC is always a little uh, more, more special when, uh, when that rivalry in particular, and just all these rivalry games are so yeah. intense. Um, 11 o'clock Saturday, Fayetteville. It's going to be cold. LSU goes in as a three-point favorite. They control, as the old cliches, they con- goes, they control their destiny to get to Atlanta. If they can close this thing out the right way. We don't know about uh, KJ Jefferson. At least I don't know about his availability. Um, your, your thoughts on LSU at Arkansas? Yeah, I mean, I think that this is going to be a game where we really see – Jaden Daniels break out as a passer. You know, I expect neighbors, I expect Butte to have a, I expect them to have big games. You know, this, this Arkansas secondary, even when it's at full strength is one of the worst in the SEC uh, by the numbers this year. At one point they were the worst in the country. Um, I think that they've shorted up a little bit since then, but uh, now they're going to be without Miles Slusher, who was a contributor in the secondary, who, is suspended right. for this game. So, you know, this this could be like everything shaping up as long as it's not too windy or rainy or anything. It, I don't think it's supposed to have any precipitation, but uh, as long no. as it's not too windy, I think that this could be really where we see uh, how far Daniels has come as a pure passer. He gives you a chance. that Shouldn't he be in – should he be getting a mention at least as a Heisman Trophy candidate? You put his numbers up against all the other quarterbacks out there – and his total yardage is right there, if not better than most of them. And LSU's the seventh-ranked team in the country. Shouldn't he be getting a little bit of recognition? Oh, yeah. I've had him in my top seven for the Heisman for a few weeks in a row now. I think there you he, go. You know, he takes he takes care of the ball. You know, he's right there with uh, with Hendon Hooker when it comes to, you know, ball security and not throwing mm-hmm. picks, um, you know, and he's one of the best running quarterbacks in the league, too. So, you know, he, he just – kills you in multiple ways and yeah when they now i think he's finally starting to get a little bit more attention um you know and if he really has a big passing day and you know maybe adds 50 yards and a touchdown on the ground against arkansas i do think we're going to start seeing him creep into more and more analysts top five and uh you know get towards the borderline of getting that invite to new york city as long as the tigers keep winning too Arkansas is five and four overall, two and three in the league. Um, LSU is only favored by three. Why? Why do you think that's the case? I don't know. I mean, Vegas is smarter than me because they keep taking my me money. Too. But uh, you know, I, I think that uh, I would have that as a, you know at least a six and a half point spread for LSU. Like I, I don't, I don't understand why it's that close, especially with the uncertainty around KJ Jefferson. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and that that uh, that Rocket Sanders is a great running back, but uh, you know LSU has some guys on defense. You know, they, they'll if KJ is not 100, percent then they'll sell out to stop Rocket Sanders and make sure right. that KJ has to beat him with with his arm. And uh, you know, I, I'm not I'm not sure that he's in a position to do that. I mean, even if he does play, he's not going to be his usual dynamic self. So I don't know why it's only three. Uh, you know, it's Fayetteville's not an easy place to play, but uh, you know we just saw Liberty go in there last week and, and beat right. them. So I would, yeah, I would, I would make it close to a touchdown in favor of LSU. You got LSU winning this thing and keeping their marks to Atlanta alive. 
Yeah, I think they'll win by like two touchdowns or so. I I think that okay. this is Brian Kelly is a veteran coach. This is where he's going to be able to keep his guys focused. Uh, you know, yeah, last week was exciting, but what would be more exciting is going to Atlanta. What would be more exciting is a chance to play in a New Year's Six bowl game, or even you know, if they win the SEC championship, right. even with two losses, I don't see how you leave out a, a two loss SEC championship. SEC champion from the top four. It's if you win the SEC, you should get an automatic spot in the playoffs. Right. It's just that's the way it's been no. lately, and so you know, I, I think that uh, Brian Kelly will have his guys. You know, like yeah, last week was so much fun, but we can have a lot of fun moving forward too. There's a lot of there's a lot of big games left on our schedule if we no keep doubt. focused. So I, I have them winning big. Okay, Adam Spencer, Saturday down south, uh, Alabama heads to Oxford to take on Ole Miss and. Can Lane Kiffin finally get it done? And while everybody says that the Alabama dynasty is coming to a close, I'm not saying that. I promise you. Um, Alabama at Ole Miss, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, if if there was ever a time for Alabama to get right, it's this. You know, Ole Miss's defense has been trending in the wrong direction the past three weeks here. Even Kiffin's admitting that. You know, Kiffin also said this week, you know, all these – all this talk about the dynasty being dead is bad news for Ole Miss. Uh, he, he calls it goat fuel, and uh, he's saying, mm-hmm. you know, they're just giving Saban bulletin board material to uh, to to come in. But I mean, they do have to hit the road. And yes, this the Crimson Tide have struggled on the road this year. But if you look at the atmospheres in which they've struggled, you know, they won by one point at Texas. They lost by three points at Tennessee. They they lost right. on the last second two point conversion in Death Valley. You know, those are three of the toughest places to play, not just like in all of college football. Like, that's, yeah. those are incredibly tough environments. Ole Miss is not quite there yet. Um, even Lane Kiffin has had to get on his fans to come out and support the team and come early and stay late. And, uh, you know, sometimes they do that, sometimes they don't. Um, so I expect plenty of Alabama fans to be there uh, tomorrow, too. So. You know, I I have Alabama bouncing back. I'm tempted to pick them to cover the two touchdown spread too. All right, very good. Um, please tell me you have a winner for me between the both teams that are three and six overall, both teams that are one and five overall. One team already fired their coach. The other team can't because he's got so much of a buyout left. But the biggest disappointment in maybe college football this year is Texas A&M and. Uh, the, 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 the Aggies head to Auburn to take on the Auburn Tigers. Who do you like in this one? Yeah, I mean, I, it depends. I, 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 if all the guys who missed last week with the flu are back, then obviously that's a, a plus for Texas A&M. You know, I do like the way that Connor Weigman's played. Uh, I think that that kid's going to be a star in a couple of years here. Uh, you know, I'm I'm on the record as saying. Uh, Texas A&M would win the uh, the 2024 national championship. Just win that elite recruiting class, and Connor Wegman have a chance to uh, to develop. And uh, you know, then they pull some guys from the transfer portal and stuff. But uh, you know, I'm kind of souring on that a little bit now. Now that they're three and six, you know, who knows if they'll be able to keep all those guys. If they lose this one, though, like I don't even know if that 85 million dollar buyout is going to stop. Texas A&M, you know, Texas A&M and Texas are the two schools in the country that 
wouldn't blink an eye at paying that amount of money to fire a, a failed head coach. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, yes, it's it's a big number, but uh, the the pockets are deep there in College Station. So, if they Amazing. lose that one at Jordan Jordan Hare Stadium, which is you know a fluky place to play, that there's always some sort of magic there. I mean, just look at my Missouri Tigers and what happened to them at the end of regulation and in overtime. So, you know, will the magic be there? I'm picking A&M to win, but I don't feel great about it because Cadillac Williams has these guys playing hard. Yeah, that's why I like Auburn in this one. I think they're, they always have one game every year, one game where they surprise you. Maybe this is the one. I think a sneaky good game. Um, South Carolina at Florida. South Carolina, six and three overall, so they're bowl eligible. Uh, they're three and three in the league. Florida needs one more win. They're five and four. They're trying to get bowl eligible. So a lot to play for. Uh, who do you like, the Gamecocks or the Gators? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that this is going to be maybe the closest game of the week. I, I you know, I, I like both of these teams. Uh, you know, Shane Beamer, if nothing else, he has the Gamecocks just so sound on special teams every single week. And, uh, you know, there's this is a Florida team that Billy Napier is still trying to iron out some of the mistakes that they repeatedly shot themselves in the foot with last year. Um, so, you know, it, it comes down to, it really comes down to what kind of Anthony Richardson do we get? Because, you know, that, that game against Georgia where he, you know, got banged up on the first play or whatever it was and then just kind of limped his way through the rest of the game. It, it, there's if he's his if he's on his best game, then uh, Florida should win. Um, but okay. if, if he's not, and if he can't run the ball, it's it, it, he's not a good enough passer, especially with some of the talent that South Carolina has in its secondary. And they're also you know very opportunistic. They'll they'll snag they'll let you march down the field and then snag a timely interception. So you know I, I think that it all comes down to Anthony Richardson. I have Florida winning, but not not covering. I think that this is going to be within a field goal either way. One of these days I'm going to start talking college basketball with you, but we got to get games where they're at least within 10 points or less, not these 80-point, 70-point, 60-point wins. So we'll talk hoops down the road. But Adam Spencer, Saturday down south, he's got the Tigers winning, he's got the Tide winning, he's got the Gators winning, and he's got A&M winning, but he's not really sure about that one. Enjoy the weekend, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, you too. I'll talk to you soon. You got it, my friend. Adam Spencer, Saturday down south. Tune in Saturday for not one but two exciting LSU games. It all starts with the LSU football team playing on the road at Arkansas in the battle for the Golden Boot Trophy. Ugliest, heaviest, biggest, nastiest trophy in the world. Pre-game begins at 9 a.m., kickoff set for 11 o'clock. Then later that day, the LSU men's basketball team takes on Arkansas State inside the PMAC. Pre-game begins at 4.30, tip set for 5. You can listen to all of the Tiger action live here on the game, 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Larry Holder, Saints, next. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. We're back on this football Friday through to 32 minutes after the hour. We switch gears now from the collegiate game to the pros. Saints got a little gift last night as Carolina <laughs> beats Atlanta. So now um, a chance to um, move up in the bracket, move up in the standings. Sunday's cross-conference game between the Saints and the Steelers. 
presents an opportunity for one of these two struggling teams to start the second half of the season on the right foot. Larry Holder of The Athletic, 10 good minutes with my main man uh, here. Larry, um, Saints struggling, that's, that's, um, that's an understatement, isn't it? It's certainly an understatement, but also <laughs> you actually have to look at the Steelers, and they're basically in the same boat except yeah. in one aspect they at least feel like they have a future quarterback because they have Kenny Pickett, but he has uh, definitely struggled mm-hmm. as a rookie. But, look, the Steelers are in the same boat. They've injuries all over the map. It, it seems like T.J. Watt is coming back, which is not good, but still nope. they have had underperformance everywhere on the map. And, look, Mike Tomlin has never been a coach that's ever had a, a, an under 500 team. So right. I, I'm curious to see how they respond, but – like, I, I do feel like, though, they're basically in the same boat where they're yeah. almost kind of all just rebuilding. they got good veterans sometimes, but they're but, and, but no one is used to seeing them in the bottom of their uh, divisions, and yet that's where they are. Yeah, um, the Saints will know where, what their opportunity is because Tampa Bay and Seattle play in Germany. That game will be over. So maybe Seattle can keep it rolling, and the Bucks would be four and six. The Falcons are four and six. The Saints with a win would be four and six in the division that nobody wants to win. So how do the Saints come out on a Monday night in their own arena, their own stadium, and flat as a pancake, laying an egg like they did? I, I don't understand that. Yeah, I think that's probably the most troubling thing we've seen. They basically came out. It seemed like they were listless or yes. la- lacking effort, and it, it was it was bizarre. And I'm thinking, I'm I'm just going to kind of hypothesize here, and okay. where maybe the Saints' defense feels like, look, the offense hasn't been holding up the end of the bargain. Uh, we need more out of you, and uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I'm just trying to figure it out. But I'm with, I'm with you. I just feel like that it's. It's everywhere, though. It's just everywhere. And you thought that the same defense coaching, would be better. Man. Doesn't well, that go back to the head coach? I, I, I do think that's part of it. And so uh, he's got to try to figure things out. I mean, he's not Sean Payton. And yeah. most of those guys in the locker room are accustomed to Sean Payton. And yeah. it's different. And so I think that's – look, I've been asked over the last few weeks, say, all right, are the Saints ready to make major moves if this thing goes south? I mean, if it goes really south, I have to say yes. But look, I, I do think, though, that they still have some ground that they can be in the division and make the playoffs, and it's kind of bizarre, like you just it kind really of laid is. out. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a, kind of a catch-22 here. Like, <laughs> what do you want to do? We're both at a loss for words when it comes to this club. So, I'm gonna put you as the head coach and the offensive coordinator. Who do you put? Who do you start at quarterback against Pittsburgh? I would ride with Andy Dalton one more week, and if he struggles, you got to make the poll. And so, okay. but but that, if you're making the poll, that means you're probably three and seven, and yeah. that's that's a tall task to find out. But you also want to see if look what what can James do. And here's the thing: I mean, it's it's it, the way that the Saints are handling this, it's 
shows you that they don't have the ultimate confidence in Jameis Winston. I would assume he'd be healthy and ready to play if need be. But I think the way they've handled it is that they don't totally trust him. So, And obviously they're going to lose some trust and have lost some trust in Andy Dalton. So yeah. it's I mean, it's Chris Olave must be thinking, uh, I'm having a really good rookie year, but I'm going to have a new quarterback next year because the quarterback for next year is not in the building. Well, it depends on what you're going to do. I mean, here's the thing. I, and I, it's, it's kind of a good allude to what I've got coming out tomorrow. Uh, with the way quarterbacks have been playing recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would point to, and I don't know if Saints fans are going to be enamored with it, but it is what it is. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has, once he's kind of gotten his footing under him, he has really elevated his play. And no maybe it's the acquisition of Christian McCaffrey, but he's also been with a banged-up Debo Samuel. And guess what? Jimmy G is a free agent after this year, mm-hmm. by design, with the way they restructured his contract. So that's a quarterback I would certainly keep an eye on as we're going forward because the future quarterback on the Saints is not on the roster unless unless all of a sudden Jameis plays and he yeah. plays extremely well. He's got to play extremely well. He's got to play for, like he's never played before. Right, and he has exactly. That's yeah. the perfect Way to put it. He's never played like his draft status. He's never played like the Heisman Trophy status. I mean, he just has not. Well, let's get it out the way. Can the Saints go into Pittsburgh and win? It's going to be cold. Um, Pittsburgh needs a win. They got the rookie quarterback. Like you said, at least they've got hope for the future. I just don't know what Saints, what Saints team's going to show up. Well, I think the Saints team that's going to show up is basically <laughs> they are who they are. I feel like at that point, I don't feel like they're just like an enigma. You don't know what's going to happen. I mean, they just kind of are who they are. But I, okay. I do feel like that the Saints, I'm going to trust their quarterback play over the Steelers at this point. I think Kenny Pickett can be a, a really good pro, but he's not there yet. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like that the Saints – Maybe they know that they are in the division. I'm assuming they know that. I mean, the Steelers are really in a bad spot because they, they've got the Ravens, and then they've got yeah. the Bengals in their division, and it's, it's a thing where I don't think they can climb back from. At least the Saints feel like they might have some life. So I'm going to go with the Saints in this one. I mean, I, I think it's going to be an yeah. ugly game, but I think the Saints can, act, can actually win this one, and I, I have picked them to win the game. Let me throw something out there totally unrelated to that, but related to the quarterback situation. Do you, do you believe that Jaden Daniels is a is a mini version of Lamar Jackson? The way he can run, his passing's gotten better, uh, but he is a threat, man. He, he gives LSU a shot in every game. Obviously, without him, they're not winning games. <laughs> I mean, there's no. No, there's no question he's been – incredible in, in this run and obviously they're going to go play up at Arkansas tomorrow early yeah. start but I, I feel like hmm, I don't know if I want to call him Lamar Jackson in the sense that it, it, well, here's the thing if you're comparing him to a pro quarterback I just feel like his accuracy has gotten a little bit better I mean yeah it, it's it, it's it's almost more like he's a little bit of like a Jalen Hurts uh, okay. type 
quarterback or even Josh Allen because Lamar Jackson's accuracy has uh, has kind of dipped and has always been kind of a question mark. The fact right, that right. Jaden has been so accurate, yeah. I would look him in the sense more like Jalen Hurts' accuracy has gotten better uh, this year. Uh, Josh Allen, his accuracy is about 65%, uh, and he's kind of a bullying quarterback, but they also he also runs as well, uh, as we all know. So uh, I would maybe point less to, to Lamar Jackson uh, because I, uh, in terms of okay. college – I think he is he's more of the other two quarterbacks because his accuracy has improved and Lamar Jackson's okay. accuracy has always been a little bit of a question mark and in terms of this year's his accuracy has been a little bit off uh, especially if, lately. Who who if you could have any quarterback in the league and you could pick him to to run your franchise. Let's say you're the coach of the Saints, you could take any quarterback out there. Who would you pick? Patrick Mahomes, no question. Okay. That was quick, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I feel like because he is not he's the most accomplished pocket passer, he can move when he has to, but he doesn't lean right. on it. And so right. I would take Patrick Mahomes in a heartbeat. And the Chiefs gotcha. are going to end up being in a bargain because they paid him this monster deal, long-term deal, and it's going to end up being a bargain because uh, it's something that, you're not putting him in danger as much as Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen. And I know Josh Allen got banged up. He was in the pocket throwing the football, but still, he puts in all those quarterbacks I just mentioned, dynamic players, but they put themselves out there to be banged up more than what Patrick Mahomes does. So I would take Patrick Mahomes in a heartbeat. You think Daniels comes back for one more year at LSU? Improves his his stock, or do you think his stock is so good now that he can come out? He's not think, Joe Burrow esque. No. So I think that's I, I think that it would probably be smart for him to come back. And it's a I little different so. now that you can actually get paid while you're in college. So that that's right. helps. That's so right. I, I think that if he comes back next year, I think LSU could be a juggernaut, honestly. I, I so, agree. That's why I think he will. Yeah. I think he will because of that aspect. Um, we'll see. Um, Larry Holder, um, our 10 minutes are up, big guy. I greatly appreciate your time as always. I believe this one for another discussion for another day. I think Brian Kelly is one of those coaches that could make the transition to the NFL he reminds me of Jimmy Johnson for some reason. He's just he's just got the right approach. He doesn't have the ego like a Nick Saban does. I think he could he could handle the fact that players make more money than he does. I think he'd be a really good NFL coach. I'm just saying, just my thought. I'll leave you with that. Have a good weekend, buddy. Thank you. I was about to say, woo, you left me with a little bit of a, of a banger there. <laughs> I want you to think about it. We can talk about it next week. There we go. Let's do that. All right, Larry. Thank you, buddy. All right, Jordy. See you, buddy. You're the best. Larry Holder of The Athletic. I really believe that, too. I really do. All right. Um, Your Alexa or Google home speaker helps you out around the house. It allows you to control your lights, your thermostats, so much more. But did you know you can also uh, play the game? Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Just ask your Alexa or Google home to play the game. Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home. And everywhere you go, Pelicans lost to the Trailblazers, who didn't even have Damian Lillard playing. 
How do they do that? 106.95 at home. I got to talk some hoops. Ali Cassell, next. Jordy Holtberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber for the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back. The New Orleans Pelicans in the throes of a pretty long home streak, um, but they started it off a Losing to the Portland Trailblazers, 106-95 last night. Portland didn't have Dame Lillard playing. I don't know what it is about the Trailblazers, but they're 9-3 and three on the season. The Pels are 6-6. Six and six. you got to win these games. Ali Cassell from At The Bird Rights joins me. What is it about these Portland Trailblazers, Ali? How you doing, Jordy? I'm good. Uh, you know, the Pelicans, they stabbed themselves in the foot, to be honest with you. It wasn't so much as what Portland did as what New Orleans didn't do. I mean, okay. you can't, for instance, in one quarter have nine turnovers, which they did in the third quarter. In the opening okay. quarter, they gave up, I want to say, seven offensive rebounds that Portland uh, scored uh, nine points off of, right? Second chance points. So yeah. seemingly in every quarter, they did something that really set them back. And you just saw the mistakes. I mean, they had 17 turnovers for the game. That's mm-hmm. not going to win you games, right? Yeah. And, of course, they right. couldn't solve Portland's zone defense. It, it, they never got over that hump. So there was just so many poor decisions on top of just not being able to be, you know, play focused basketball, right? Just good basketball. And when you've got yeah. your own player, Brandon, coming across half-court line, he just simply inexplicably loses the ball for an over and back. You know, Zion had a ball bounce off his face. There was charges that, you know, you should have seen when you're driving to the rim that, they just didn't play good basketball. So to me, honestly, they look like a tired team, mentally and physically. Okay. I mean, we can't overlook that they played, what, eight of their first 11 on the road. And right. CJ, over the last, I think, two, two or three games, is battling sickness. So they're just not at 100%. So last night, you don't want to write it off. I'm not trying to make excuses. But you saw what happened when the team is not healthy, right? Not mentally and physically 100% focused. Agreed. Okay. 17 turnovers, which led to... 21 Portland Trailblazer points. Um, Zion had 29 to lead the way. Man, C.J. McCollum needs to go back into the gym. Man, 6 of 17 again. I can't remember the last time he had a good shooting game. Yeah, here's the thing. I mean, when you just look at his numbers, and I, and I did that this morning, his last three games, he's just been way off his game, right? Shooting, yes. I want to say, was less than 30% if you combine yes. the last three games. A lot of turnovers, which is normally not him. And, again, it goes back to he's been sick. He's under the bug. So, in watching him yesterday, I saw he had no rhythm, right? He couldn't get past anybody. He couldn't stay in front of anybody. And that jumper that's normally there, I bet you his mm-hmm. legs feel rubbery. Because, I mean, think about it. When, when you've been sick, when I'm sick, I don't feel like myself. And I definitely don't feel like doing any kind of physical exertion, right? So, I'm just writing off those last three games because before that – largely he's been fine. I mean, think back to the game against Utah. The only reason the Pelicans had a chance to win that game late was because CJ, right? He was sinking shots, coming up with big plays. We saw that in Brooklyn. Uh, He played very well. There's been other instances, too. So it's very easy to critique this team on one game when it's only been 12 under their belt. So I I, I just think that 
they're going to get it together. I mean, six and okay. six, they, it's disappointing, no doubt. But I think they're going to play better, and, and it's going to turn out better. Six and six right now, if uh, the playoffs started, the Pels would be the eighth seed. So they'd be in the play-in thing again. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the good teams find a way to win those kind of games, particularly at home. So we'll give them, we'll give them a pass on this one. Um, are you concerned at all about the bench other than Murphy, who had 16 points? Alvarado only had three. Devontae Graham plays eight minutes, doesn't even scratch. Marshall plays six minutes. He gets three. Larry Nance, 23 minutes, only took two shots, didn't even scratch. So the normally productive bench was non-productive other than Murphy last night. Yeah, they came up huge in that win in Chicago. I mean, they actually rescued the starters, I thought, yeah. because of their first half, right? They kept them in the game so that B.I. and Zion could do their thing in the fourth quarter. Last night, yeah, they didn't have, and that's why I'm pointing to, I think they're, they, they're just honestly tired. They came off of that three-game road trip, their second one, right, in the last right. three weeks, and they had to play a back-to-back here in Portland. Yes. So I know they're at home, but still, I saw a physically tired team because they're making mistakes that we just normally don't okay. see. So that includes the bench, too. Jose normally has an impact. He gets to the lane. We know how frisky he is. You didn't even see that out of him, so... Yeah, I, I think fatigue, honestly, is a thing, and you don't want to use an excuse, but it's a real thing. And when you're pointing to disappointment, Jordy, think about how other, there's other teams in the league that are in the same boat. I mean, Philly, they're 5-7. and seven. The Miami Heat, 5-7. and seven. Look in our own conference here in the West. I mean, Dallas, you would have thought being a top 4-5, or five, they're 6-5. and five. Golden State right. Warriors, they're down towards the bottom at 4-7. and seven. So it's not like the Pelicans are exempt here that they're not playing their best brand of basketball. Okay, let's look. Let's look. They've got one, two, three, four, five more home games. So, mm-hmm. and there's no uh, there's no back to back. So they get a chance to rest tomorrow. They play the Rockets. That's a game they should win. Correct? Absolutely. Now this is where okay. I think they're going to get some rest. They're going to get healthier, and they're going to just look at some film. So when the next team, and I'm sure Houston will do it, is going to throw a zone at them, they're going yeah. to know how to attack it. Right. So I expect that win. And then, of course, they're okay. going to have two days off after that. So even though they, they, they do have a back-to-back, right, the Grizzlies and the, and the Bulls here at home, but they're going to have plenty of days to prepare for. So I expect to, for the rest of this homestand to turn out really well. I mean, I want, there's some tough teams, let, right? Warriors, let's, Celtics, let's uh, Grizzlies. Let's predict some of these, but okay? But I still think, right, they should have a winning record over the remaining or these next five games. All right, let's predict them. So the Rockets, that'll be a win. Grizzlies with Ja Morant Tuesday. Tough club. Who do you like? Very tough. But look, I think they're beatable. I know they've got John Morant, but look, that's one guy. You got to make sure that others don't beat you. And for me, it's Desmond Bain. Bain's been yeah. playing lights out of late. He started this yeah. year off terribly, but he has found his stroke. So you can't let him get those good looks from three point range. So, if you show so him you down, I, I think you can really beat that team because they're not going to have enough punch. So, right, so you got, Falcons, you got the Pels that, right, winning that one. Execute, I, I could count that as a win. I could. Okay. You're going to say the uh, Pels beat the Bulls. They just beat him in Chicago. Very close. Can't stop DeMar DeRozan. Can't stop him. You just can't let the other guys get you. So what about the Bulls game? Real quick. That should be a win, too. I think that they're an average team overall, especially without Lonzo Ball. All right. Celtics on Friday, a week from today, the Seas come to the Smoothie King Center. Who do you like in that one? Have to like Boston, right? They're one of the best teams, and they're showing it early in the season. And if the Pels aren't playing at 100%, which they haven't for a while, right, playing their full brand of basketball, you can't beat them without and it. And last but, last but not least, 
the Warriors on Monday, November 21st? I'm worried about that one because the Warriors, it's fresh in their minds, right? I know that the big four didn't play here in New Orleans when they faced them, but they're going to be eager to, right, get that loss, turn it into a win. So here on the home court, I think they're going to get their best punch. That is the Pelicans. So the Warriors... Yeah, I'm going to give them the slight edge in that one. Okay. So the Pels would be three and two out of the next five. They right. go to San Antonio after that. So maybe they would be uh, four and two in the next six. Yes. I'll take that and run with it, big guy. And we've got to run. So um, enjoy the Pels and the Rockets tomorrow. We'll flush that uh, the the Blazers game. We'll call it fatigue. Now they can rest. Go get that win. Ollie, have a great weekend, buddy. Thanks, Jordy. You too. And I just hope fans don't panic, right? I mean, it's just been a few games, and you, and you can write them off. Just look at how poorly they performed in a month combined with the fatigue. It's kind of easy, too. Yeah. Well, we won't. It's still very – it's not even Christmas time. But uh, so <laughs> far, a lot better start to the season <laughs> than it was a year ago. So that's what I'm keeping my hopes and – and uh, and dreams about. So thank you, Ali Cassell from At The Bird Rights. Uh, that's hour number one. We're going to take a time out here. Coming up, hour number two, back to football with Blake Topmeyer, George Faust, and then our picks with George Becknell, James Mesh, and I here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home, and Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll be back on a happy Friday. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Our number two of two, and away we go on this football Friday on a beautiful Chamber of Commerce Day this Friday, November the 11th. Tigers heading to Arkansas. It's going to get chilly in the Ville. Bama heading to the Grove and some other interesting matchups within the SEC. So let's get right to it with our friend Blake Topmeyer, who covers the conference where it just means more for the USA Today Network. Blake, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, but probably not as well as LSU fans are doing today, right, Jordy? Uh, uh, what a, what a statement win for uh, Brian Kelly's uh, first first season. How about that? And now, they, as the old cliche, they control their own destiny. If they win out, they go to George, Atlanta, and they play Georgia for the SEC championship. Who'd have thunk it? Um, who'd have thunk it? Um it's so true. I mean, especially with the way they started the season, um, you know, it looked like they had kind of a wide receiver running around at quarterback. Now they got a, now they got a really good quarterback. Uh, you know, hats off to Brian Kelly for the way he's developed Jaden Daniels. Hats off to Jaden Daniels um, for having the willingness to improve and settle into the system. Uh, he's, he's a complete package now, playing playing really really well. I've asked everyone this, and I've offered my opinion, but I want yours. Shouldn't uh, Jaden Daniels be at least mentioned in the Heisman Trophy candidacy? Yeah, maybe. I mean, the Heisman's so tough because you only get three votes, right? So, I mean, if it was like a six-name ballot, then I'd say probably. I, I'm not one of these guys that I, I try not to be the victim in the moment. I think when you look at the, the totality of seasons, um, I think there's, there's a handful of guys I would still like better than Jaden Daniels. I mean, yeah, if I had an eight-man ballot, I, I 
sure he would find find his way onto to one of those spots. I think with a three man ballot, which is which is what you get in Heisman, uh, I, I think that's gonna be a lot tougher in, in all reality okay. for Jaden Daniels. His numbers are right up there with everybody else's. Uh, and the seventh-ranked team in the country, we shall see. Um, everybody thinks it could be a trap game. 11 o'clock kickoff, Fayetteville. It's going to be cold. Um, I don't know about K.J. Jefferson. Do you know if he's going to play or not? Uh, I know Jaden Daniels is. So what do you think of that one? Yeah, last I heard with K.J. Jefferson was, was questionable. Um, and we, we've seen two games this season from Arkansas where they did not have K.J. Jefferson at full strength. One, they didn't have him at all uh, against Mississippi State, and they lost by, you know, 23 points. Uh, And then last week against Liberty, apparently he was not fully healthy, um, and and they got beat at home uh, by the Liberty Flames. So that tells me I like LSU a lot in this game. I, I know some LSU fans are worried. Trap game. I know they look at the way this series has gone, and it's it's not always easy, even when you think it should be. Um, but the fact of the matter is, if K.J. Jefferson's not full strength, uh, I mean, I think LSU's got, got the better team. And, uh, and, and, they, and they have a ton to play for. I mean, they, they know if they take care of their business, they are winning the SEC West. They yep. have a shot at number one Georgia, um, yep. which could catapult them into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, I like LSU in this game. Too much to play for. Where is the Blake Topmeyer Traveling Roadshow going this weekend? <laughs> I am headed to Oxford with a couple loud, roaring vehicles uh, next to me. You've, you've probably <laughs> yes. heard. But, uh, yeah, I'll be in Oxford which, for that one, which which if Alabama would have won at, at LSU last week would have been a, just a huge game. Uh, yep. Now, I guess it's still a big game, but you know, if LSU keeps winning, it doesn't matter what happens. In, in Oxford, but but still, best game on the slate. That's where I'll be. So many, uh, so many people now because Alabama's lost two games, and who did they lose to? Tennessee on the road in overtime, LSU on the road in overtime on a two-point conversion. So I'm not one of those that says the Alabama dynasty is 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 falling off the cliff. If Nick Saban fulfills his contract, um. Does he win another national championship at Alabama? How long? How many more years is he coaching? Uh, I think, I, golly, a, a few for sure. Nick <laughs> Saban's contract runs to the end of eternity, right? His contract's irrelevant. They're gonna, they're gonna. I mean, he can be there as long as he wants. Let's right. say Nick Saban decides he's gonna coach five more years. If he coaches five more seasons. I think he will win a national championship during that stretch. Um, however, if he wins one national championship during that stretch, and you last year when he didn't win a title, dynasty? That's not a dynasty. Um, so I think the truth, as is so often is the case, is probably somewhere in the middle. You know, should we be ordering the headstone? for Nick Saban's dynasty? No, I don't think we should. I think as long as he's there and probably even after he's gone, Alabama is going to be an annual playoff contender. Um, Alabama will have its shots to win the national championship. They're going to remain really, really, really good. Um, Are we going to see the heyday of the Alabama dynasty again? I tend to think not. Um, And I don't think that's entirely just due to Saban. I think the sport has changed. Um, without the, because without the evolutions in the sport, you don't have Jaden Daniels 
uh, immediately eligible as a transfer out there on the field. You don't have these other transfers that are, have been contributing to LSU week in, week out. Now, I know it's not just the transfer show at LSU. They, they had some talented holdovers from the Ed O era. Uh, they got some freshmen contributing. But let's face it, you know, the, the, new, the new wave of the sport is transfers, and the transfer quarterback lifted LSU to victory on, on Saturday. Um, no you look question. at what's happening elsewhere in the country. Oregon, in position for the college football playoff, number six in the country. They got a transfer quarterback. Southern Cal... Um, has a bevy of transfers, including Caleb Williams. That's how they've turned around their team so quickly, and they're number eight in the land in Lincoln Riley's first season. So mm-hmm. I think even more so than just the saving factor, I think it's going to be harder for Alabama to have a stranglehold on the sport for two reasons. One, I think Georgia has overtaken them as the best program right now in this moment. They're still okay. recruiting well. They're developing well. Uh, Kirby Smart is a very good coach. He's got great schemes. So I think there's another beast in their own conference that's going to continue to make life difficult. Um, and then outside of that, there used to be one path to success in college football. It was you recruited great class after great class. You had a good coach. Uh, you developed your talent. That's how you won in college football. Now you can have these teams kind of take the side door to success through the transfer portal um, and I'm not saying that's as good of an avenue, but it can be effective, and we're seeing that at places like LSU and Southern Cal this, this season. So point being, I think it's going to be harder for Alabama uh, to maintain its place so far ahead of the pack, and I think we're seeing that this year. Well put, Blake Topmeyer, USA Today Network. So does Alabama get right against Ole Miss, or does Kiffin elude uh, the, um, the goat juice and um, <laughs> whatever he called it? And, and, and get a win at home. Yeah, I think Alabama gets right because I'm just – I guess I don't have a ton of trust in Alabama at this point, but I don't have a ton of trust in Ole Miss either. Um, I mean, credit to the way they've reloaded this year. They're, they're one of those teams that use the portal to where in the, old, in the old days they would have had to rebuild this year. They lost a ton of talent last year. Ole Miss is not one of these programs that signs top five recruiting classes every year. So they would have had to reload, uh, or excuse me, rebuild. But with the transfers, they've been able to reload pretty effectively. However, they don't have a signature victory. They really, you know, they're, they're sitting at eight and one, but it's right. pretty thin, eight and one. Um, yep. The toughest competition they faced was LSU, and uh, that game was close for two and a half quarters, and then LSU pulled away. So mm-hmm. I, I just, I just don't quite trust Ole Miss enough yet. Uh, okay. to pick them against Alabama. Um, but I, I'm kind of in the same scenario I was last week, Jordy. I, I certainly wouldn't be stunned if Ole Miss wins this game because Alabama hasn't showed me enough consistency at any point this season to think anything's a, a given with him. Um, so if, if, if Ole Miss's running backs go wild, yeah, they, they could pull this off. But I, I just don't have quite enough belief yet in Ole Miss because of the way their schedule is, has shaken out. Uh, I'm not sold yet on Jackson Dart and his ability, and that's what it takes to beat Alabama. you got to have a quarterback that can make plays. Throwing it, running it, both I, of them. I think that's right. Yeah. And you look at the two games they lost this year, uh, Hinton Hooker was fabulous in that game yep. um, at Neyland Stadium, and then Jaden Daniels uh, obviously you know, was, was among the heroes last Saturday night. So I agree. Yep. I, I don't trust Jackson Dart enough uh, to be able to lift him to victory. 
All right, Blake Topmeyer, let's go. Uh, I think an intriguing game. South Carolina's bowl eligible. They're 6-3, and 3-3 three, three and three in the league. Florida needs one more win to get bowl eligible. They're 5-4, and 2-4 and four in the league in Billy Napier's first year. This game's in the swamp. Shane Beamer says the Gamecocks are still hungry. Who do you like? <laughs> I guess Florida. I, I, I mean, this is one of those games where I feel like it's two pretty equal teams, so I'm going to take the easy way out and say, give me the team at home. Um, I like the way Florida's been running the ball. I'll say that um, yeah. about them. I mean, it's kind of weird that the former home of the fun and gun, you know, the, the program that Steve Spurrier put on the map is now, you know, built behind the run and their offensive line. Um, I, I really think, you know, I know, I know Twitter and message boards are not the greatest cross-section of reality, right? Um, but I've, I still see a lot of negativity from Florida fans about Billy Napier's first season. Still. I don't know. I mean, I think the situation he stepped into there at Florida was not great. I mean, they did not have the normal complement of Florida talent, uh, particularly at the skill positions um, on defense. I did not think they had the, the full complement of Florida caliber talent. And he's come in and he's at least had, given them something to hang their hat on. Uh, which is their ground game and that offensive line. It's been pretty good. It's pretty good last week against Texas A&M. South Carolina has kind of done it with smoke and mirrors to this point. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that concerns me with South Carolina here is they haven't been great against the run. Um, so I guess with the game being a swamp, I give a slight edge to Florida. One last one. I'll let you get out and let you concentrate on the road. It's the battle of um, one team that already fired their coach. They're one in five. Another team is the biggest disappointment in college football. They went from preseason number six uh, to now one in five in the conference, three and six overall, and that's the Aggies. The Aggies are on the road to Jordan Hare to take on Auburn in a game that nobody cares about except those that are anti-Jimbo Fisher. So who do you like? Neither of these teams, if you want the short answer. Uh, both teams on a five-game losing streak, is it? Uh, this is basically the toilet bowl, right? Yes. I, I don't know, Jordy. I guess I guess maybe A&M, but I have no rational explanation for that. I mean, both teams stink. It, 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 that, that's, that's where it is. Um, yeah. There's Vanderbilt in the bottom of the conference, and then there's these teams. And maybe Missouri's down there, too, although Missouri really should have beat Auburn earlier in the season. They gifted them a, a victory. Um, right. I guess if Auburn could get the ground game going the way they did, you know, in, in the rally against Mississippi State, maybe that's something for them. They, their offense is pretty much to let Robbie Ashford run around back there, and they got Cadillac Williams as their interim coach. <laughs> he likes right. keeping the ball on the ground, right? <laughs> so that's something. Uh, I don't know, I guess. I think maybe A&M's a little more talented than than Auburn at this point, but that talent sure hasn't meant much for A&M no. all this season. So no. it's not a great answer, but uh, without much conviction, I suppose I'll take A&M. Two pretty good games in the conference this week. We'll see. Blake, uh, safe drive to Oxford. Remember, there's only one road in and one road out, so just be patient, big guy. <laughs> be patient, but have fun, and thank you. Okay. Sounds good. All Thanks, Jordy. Right. See you. Blake Topmeyer, USA Today. We'll come back. George Faust, KLFY, here on the Jordy Heltberg Show. Stay with us. There's no better way to wrap up the work week than talking with the man regarded as the king of Acadiana sports media, KLFY sports director George Faust. 
It's time for Fridays with Faust here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Ten minutes with my main man, Georgie Faust. Happy Friday, buddy. How are you? Doing good, doing good. Happy Friday to you. Looking forward to a little high school football playoff action. Before we get to that, this weekend. before we get to that, how about those Cajuns last night? What impressed you the most? Uh, just the, the ability to uh, kind of uh, the, the way they, they were moving the ball so efficiently and uh, throwing it around the yard. Uh, that that was real impressive to me. I thought uh, I thought they had uh, they had a really uh, a good game plan and got it helped that they scored first, got on got on top first, and and I think uh, you heard Coach Dez talk about that last night. How uh, being able to get in front early kind of uh, eased everybody's you know uh, nerves a little bit and, and uh, got them got them going on the right right track and. And to be honest with you, that touchdown that Georgia Southern scored to tie it at seven, that game, that that touchdown, uh, he was uh, Coach Des was livid, livid about the fact that uh, they made a late substitution and the Cajuns didn't have a chance to match that substitution. And uh, so, yeah, that was that was interesting to see a uh, heated Coach Des because he's usually so even keeled. Right. Uh, and uh, but uh, yeah, I, I impressed with the way. Uh, Ben had had kind of maneuvered the offense and and got him going and uh, yeah that, that three touchdowns for him and the running game was impressive as well so uh, a lot a lot of good things coming out of that from an offensive standpoint huge win for the Cajuns uh, right next door we got high school volleyball you got the state playoffs the quarterfinal action was yesterday we got the semifinals going on today uh, the Cajun Dome puts on quite a show they got three courts out there. I was there last night. Watching my daughter's team, St. Joseph Academy, win, um, and they're playing uh, in just a few minutes uh, against Mount Carmel now. So you got that, and you got high school football. So what's the best game out there today? <laughs> well, uh, from a from a uh, football standpoint, I think uh, I'm I'm really inter- intrigued by the uh, Rain Church Point rematch. In and and I guess it's four A, but uh, I, I guess that's what Division two. So, uh, not Division Two non-select, uh, okay. and that that game was really uh, the first time they played. It was a shootout. I talked to uh, Kane Gidry yesterday, the head coach at Rain, and uh, he was talking about uh, you know, hopefully they can keep up uh, you know the pace uh, if the pace goes that fast, uh, and uh, yeah, so we'll see. At Church Point, obviously. You know they played so well up for nine weeks, and then in week ten, Iota uh, took took the district championship from them. Uh, la- uh, you know last week, so uh, Church yep. Point and Rain that's going to be an interesting matchup, uh, yeah. high scoring affair maybe. Uh, I, I'm I'm actually, I'm going I'm going to Ascension Episcopal because I want I want to watch Peyton Woodring kick the football. Uh, that young man I, was what? our athlete of the week, and I had a chance to talk to him. Uh, uh, this week and really he's going to kick at Georgia next year and his goal is to be the starting kicker for Georgia next year and uh, wow. he says uh, he thinks he can do it uh, so I wanted I wanted to get a chance to watch him play in person uh, before he scoots on over to to baseball and uh, <laughs> gets ready yeah. for uh, finish out his senior year. You've seen all these teams in the Acadiana area. Who, who's got the best? I don't care what class they're in. 
Uh, who's got the best football team this year? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, wow. Uh, there's so many good ones. I think, I think if, if I'm given a late bloomer award, I okay. think that goes to, for me, that goes to STM. They, even right. though they, you know, they played such a tough schedule at the beginning of the year. Um, I think what you're seeing now from STM is is pretty impressive. They were able to take down Turlings, win the district championship. You know, they beat LCA. I I think they're battle tested for this postseason. That's a that's a that's a tough division to play in for the for the state championship. I whoever comes out of there, man, that's gonna they earned that title. There's no doubt about it. Uh, 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 I'm trying to think of somebody, another team that's maybe on a low. I I, I didn't. I, I haven't seen Newman play. They're the number one seed in Division three in the select side. Uh, uh, Arch was at there's the a lot. Look, there, there, a bit there's early. a lot of really <laughs> really good high school football teams, and and these brackets are going to be really really, really tough. tough. There's no question about that. Um, I was just curious as to. The top team who 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 has the best chances from the Acadiana area to uh, I, I, look. I think St. Thomas More, Turlings Catholic. I, I think that's a destination collision course. To be honest with you, yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it definitely has that written all over it. Look, volleyball is going to be STM and Turlings and volleyball. They're yeah. going to play for the state championship tomorrow. So uh, Turlings won this afternoon. So. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, that that seems to be the one that I think Westgate is a team that you might, you know, they're the defending 4A state champs, and you know, they didn't they didn't fare well in district. But then look at the district they played in. They played in 4-4A. That district is so so tough. I mean, you can't you can't fault a team for losing three games in that district. You know, LCA, STM, Turleys. Wow, that's that that's a heck of a that's a yeah. heck of a stretch, and so Westgate might be the team that you know nobody probably is looking at because they're ranked tenth in in uh, non-select uh, division two. I guess that is. Um, I'm trying to learn all this stuff. How do you on the know fly. that? Yeah, so, I can't. playoff too system. much. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so, but, but I think maybe Westgate could could be a team that that you know just, they were just they they didn't get a whole lot worse from a year ago when they won state. So uh, maybe there's a team that, that, that maybe nobody's thinking about that maybe can, can get back to the state championship and, and uh, defend their title. Might be uh, the Pios from Notre Dame going up against Arch Manning and Isidore Newman. You never know. But Georgie Faust, um, thank you, my friend. Our 10 minutes are up. We got to get rolling here. Have a great weekend. No Cajun game, but uh, do the Cajuns play hoops this weekend? Uh, <laughs> that, look, you know what I'll be watching though, Jordy? Ole Miss, Alabama. That's I know. Two thirty on know. KLFY. Check it out, everybody. Check I it out. I know. Goat juice, right? <laughs> Instead of rat poison, it's goat fuel. So whatever. Have goat a great fuel, weekend, man. my friend. Thank you for your time. It's always fun. All right, Jordy. Thank you, man. Fastest ten minutes in radio, right there. There it is, baby. We got to roll, Georgie Faust. Let's go. Tune in next week to Jordy Holdberg for Fridays with Faust here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Jordy Holdberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. You're simply the best.
This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we've waited all week long to get to this point and time. My favorite time of the day, my favorite day of the week. It's time to make some predictions on all the big games out there. James Mesh back in the Master Control Suite in the game studios and our good friend George Becknell joining us via Zoom. By golly, George, how are you, my friend? Man, Jordy, I'm I'm fantastic, man. I got the... The one pick I needed to be right this whole year last week. <laughs> you did. You did. The you one did. I needed. If you there was one it, I needed said, to make. You said the Tigers would it. win, and you said fire everybody on the Saints coaching staff. Get rid of them. So here we go. We got, about, uh, we got nine games to pick, five college and four in the NFL. Let's start with the game that everybody in the SEC, everybody in the Pac-12, Everybody in the Big Ten is pulling for Texas because the undefeated fourth-ranked TCU Horn Frogs of Sunny Dykes head to Austin to take on the Texas Longhorns. George, what do you think? Man, Jordan, it's ridiculous that I even saw that Texas was favored. I mean, you know, Gamero, it'd be nice for a lot of people if Texas wins, but Texas is not going to win this game. TCU runs the ball just as good as anybody. They pass it just as good as anybody. They're undefeated. Texas has lost to some underwhelming opponents. Give me TCU to win this game. All right. Horns are favored. Horns are favored by seven, not Longhorns. Okay. Yeah, the Longhorns. Okay. I, right. I misread that. No, no, no. Yeah. You're right. The Longhorns no, no. are favored by seven. Well, the Horn Frogs should be favored because I don't understand why. The Maybe it is the Horn. Is, is I don't know. Either way, it doesn't matter. They got to go play. So, James, you like the team in purple or the team in burnt orange? TCU, initially, they kind of struggled throughout the game last week, but they really pulled it away late. That is a little concerning to me, but I, I'm still going to take the Horn Frogs in this one. It really surprised me. Maybe, maybe uh, Vegas knows more than we know considering Texas is seven-point favorites. I know they're at home, but still, uh, to me, I still think you got to go with TCU on this one. I want more chaos. I want it all. <laughs> I love Max Duggan. I love his wide receiver. I hate the hair of Quinn Ewers because he's got a lot of it. Uh, Texas, uh, <laughs> but um, I, I, give me Sark one time, one time um, at home. Look how well they played against Alabama. Look how well they played against that juggernaut LSU team a few years back in 2019. Can they get up again at home? College game day is going to be there. G- give me the haw- horns of Texas so Matthew McConaughey can, can do his thing, and then Texas TCU will drop out, and maybe the SEC can get three teams in the playoff. Well, that's another story for another day. Um, up next, we have got – who did I pick here? Guys? Washington and Oregon. Here. Okay, um, Washington – at Oregon, Washington, 25th-ranked team in the country. Oregon, number six after that loss, opening weekend loss to Georgia. They have, they've run the table, and Bo Nix has been sensational for the Oregon Ducks. George, it's your call. I got to agree with you. Bo Nix has been sensational, and it's, it's weird because this ain't the same Bo Nix that played at Auburn. I don't know what happened to him, 
But I mean, you look at Washington, <laughs> the coaching must be real good up there. Yeah. You look at Washington, man. Washington is lost on the road against UCLA. They also lost on the road against Arizona State. I'm very underwhelmed with their performance. Oregon's been on fire. Give me Oregon to continue rolling, even though I, I need Washington to win this game. All right, this is a Fox game. Oregon. Fox game at night in in uh, Oregon. Bo Nix never takes sacks. Uh, James, he's completed 73% of his passes. 73%. That dude never showed up at Auburn, but he's sure showing out in Oregon. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, he, he's really revitalized himself. I don't know what happened as soon as he got to Oregon, but, hey, it's been working for him. And the Oregon Ducks, they've been killing it. Since they lost week one, they've been on a roll. I got to stick with it, even though I would I would want the Huskies to win it. Um, I'm riding Bo Nix in Oregon. I think the story of the coach who came over from Georgia uh, got pummeled by Georgia in the first in the first game, but they have been uh, pretty good from there. Can you imagine the Can you imagine the NIL deal that Bo Nix must have now with with Mr. Phil Knight and Nike? You think he's got a deal working there? Holy smoly. Um, give me the Oregon Ducks to keep on keeping on in, in this one. Um, next up, we have got, okay, I'm going to ask you the same thing. I'm going to ask James the same question. Uh, Nick Saban, if he coaches five more years at Alabama, does he win another national championship, George? No, he, he doesn't. Because, you know, he got outcoached last week by Brian Kelly with on, in a rebuilding year. Right. So you got Brian Kelly in the SEC. You also have Kirby Smart, the SEC, that those are two coaches that are going to be better than Nick Saban going forward. It's okay, You know, it's okay. We all fall off the hill. Go home to your wife, Nick Saban. It's time. (laughs) James, does he win a championship? I think he can still get one more in. Uh, This just kind of feels like a down year for Bama. I feel like if you maybe two. More years down the line, you could see them really competing with LSU and and get one more in there before before he hits the hay, before he rides off into the sunset. I think one right. more. I could see it. if you give it a five year timeline. I think he, I think you could get one more. I think he gets one more. I, I really do. All right, but that uh, that's another story for another day. Bama at Ole Miss. Saban Kiffin. What do you think, George? Jody, I think Bama gets this W. You know, because Saber got outcoached by Brian Kelly, but Lane <laughs> Kiffin ain't outcoaching nobody. He's just an offensive coordinator. <laughs> if you look at it, oh, Ole Miss hasn't been impressive. They've just done what they were supposed to do. I think Bama's a better football team, more talented, and they go show it on Saturday. So give me, give me the fighting whatever their name is, weight tied elephant on the road. Give me <laughs> Bama. Right. We got a Bama pick, um, James. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely going to take Alabama in this one, but I don't like the 12-point spread that it has on the game. I think it'll end up being a lot closer. Like this could be a this could be decided by just a touchdown in my eyes. Okay, um, I think Bama gets right. I think um, again, I don't trust Jackson Dart, their quarterback uh, for Ole Miss, like I trust Jaden Daniels, like I trust Hendon Hooker. Um, I think Alabama can stop the run. I just think that's what they're tailor-made to do. I think Ole Miss is going to have to try and beat them in the air, and I don't think that's going to happen. And I think uh, I think Bama rolls and gets right. And, um, you know, Nick Saban's not going to lose two in a row. I just don't find that. All right, here we go. How about 
Gus Miles on and the 22 ranked UCF, whatever they are, at number the 17, Knights. Willie Fritz's two lane green wave, the green wave in position to earn one of the most improbable New Year's six bowl bids ever. It's in New Orleans. They politicked to try and get college game day there. It didn't happen. Hmm. Miles on is 16 and six since getting fired by Auburn and taking over in Orlando. In that same span, Auburn's 9-13. and 13. Would you like Miles on back, Auburn? Well, he's with the Knights now. They're 7-2. and two. Yeoman Stadium, George. Big, huge game for huge the group game. of five. Who do you like? Huge game, Jordan. Jordan, give me the home team. And I'm not being a homer. I just got to tell you, I looked at the UCFS schedule. Yeah. They score a lot of points, but when they play quality opponents, like they scored 14 against Louisville, they scored 13 points against East Carolina. They're going to need more points to beat Tulane. I don't think they scored 20, and I think you need about 25, 30 to beat Tulane. Give me Tulane at home to take care of business and continue this magical season. Willie Fritz um, took Tulane from the abyss and got them to three consecutive bowls from 2018 to 2020. Then came last year with Hurricane Ida. They had to spend three weeks in Birmingham, and they collapsed. Man, they finished 2-10, and ten, and now look at them. Boy, they got a defense. They got a good quarterback. James, do the wave roll Saturday? I still want to swag surf right now. I'm, I'm going to go with Tulane again. This one's going to be a really close game, but I even though it's a one point in favor of Tulane, I still got to believe they got to get the win. I mean, like, like Georgia Mitch, I mean, even though they're really similar when it comes to stats and points per game and points given up, I think the fact that UCF, they've had a little bit lighter of a schedule, I think that plays in the Green Wave's favor. Who can name the quarterback for uh, UCF? It's a Plumlee guy. Yes, uh, the like, like those transfer. Guys. The, the, the quarterback oh. slash baseball player, John Reese Plumlee, is the QB. Roll green wave rolling down the field. Roll green wave rolling down. The I hate the song, but I want the wave to <laughs> win. I want the wave to win. Two teams going in completely opposite directions. Arkansas started with a big win at over Cincinnati. They were three and zero. Now since then, they've lost four of their last six. LSU has started off in a bad, bad way, and look what they have done since. They control everything. They keep winning. They're going to be Atlanta. Who'd have picked that? Who'd have thunk that? Not me. I'll be honest with you. Um, 11 o'clock, it's going to be, when you wake up in Fayetteville in the morning, it's going to be 22 degrees, George. 22 <laughs> degrees, a high of 44. All right. Is it a trap game, or does Jaden Daniels just keep on keeping on? Jordan, this is the definition of a trap game. I am so scared about this game because I feel like, no matter how good LSU is, no matter how bad Arkansas is, it's always a good football game, no matter what. So this game might be closer than what it needs to be, but I'll be honest, seeing what I've been seeing from Brian Kelly, seeing what I've been seeing from Jaden Daniels, I feel, this feels different. This doesn't feel like a typical LSU season. So even though it's a trap game, I don't think they lose focus, and I think they come out and handle business in Fayetteville, and you'll see my Tigers in Atlanta for the SEC title game. Okay, James Mesh. I think Arkansas think? I think Arkansas is able to keep it close throughout the game like we said. You this this is one of those games that you can just throw out the record. 
it doesn't matter. Like, it's always going to be close. It doesn't matter what the skill gap is. But I think LSU will able is able to kind of pull away late and win by about 10 to 14 points. It makes it look makes it look farther than it was throughout the game, but I think they pull away late. Hey, I like LSU, and there's too much at stake. I'm a believer in, uh, in Brian Kelly. I really am, and I just am enamored with our quarterback. I think yes. he gives us a chance in every game because of his skill set, his ability, and that whole side of the ball believes in him, and that other side of the ball believes in him as well, and they all want to play and, and jump on the bandwagon and, and get rolling. So g- give me LSU, and they, they'll cover this thing. I think they win and win pretty comfortably here. Um, I just like the direction they're going. I got a question for both of y'all before we get to the NFL. I mentioned it earlier in the show, and I really believe this. I believe Brian Kelly, and I don't want him to go anywhere, but I believe <laughs> Brian Kelly would be that one college coach that would be successful in the NFL for a variety of reasons. Do you see where I'm going? Do you agree or disagree, George? I agree um, for the simple fact that you saw how successful he was at Notre Dame and he left Notre Dame because he wanted to coach the top-level athletes. Well, in the NFL, he's going to have top-level athletes as well. So I can see that, you know, especially what he's doing at LSU. But I'll be honest with you. I think this dude's like a kid in a candy store down here oh, Baton yeah. Rouge. He's not going with, anywhere. I'm just saying most- I- I believe he could make yeah. that transition because of could. his demeanor, because yeah. he is like a CEO on the sideline. His ego is nothing like Saban was, and I don't mm-hmm. think he would mind if players made more money than him. He could still coach them. That's just my thought. James, yeah. what do you think? I, uh, yeah, I, I think the same thing. I think the fact that he's selfless, he doesn't worry about – like he doesn't make it about him like we've seen other coaches do it. Right. I, know, I know it's a completely different beast where you're dealing with actual professionals and you're not on a you're not it's it's a little different than it is with college than the NFL but I, I think he can make that transition he seems like that type of coach that could yeah. be one of those guys that can do both because we don't see too many of those but it feels like Brian Kelly is one of those guys that's very versatile in how he does things and he yeah. he can make that transition. I think he really would. I, I want him to stay here. I want him to win a national championship. George, I interrupted you. I didn't mean to. You want to follow up on that? Oh, yeah. Well, basically what I was saying is I think he has a good balance. You know, um, he brings a certain level of discipline, but he's not going to be like Saban was and talking to the, to the NFL players like little college kids. Yeah. You know, I think he has a level of discipline, but he's not going to be overwhelming. I think he's a player's coach, okay. and I think NFL guys will respond well to him. So right, got, I, I agree. Okay, we got four NFL games to pick. We got uh, the Saints got a gift last night when Carolina beat Atlanta. Nobody wants to win the NFC South. So, okay, that's fine. In Germany, when the Saints line up to play, they'll know whether Tampa Bay is a winner or Tampa Bay is a loser to Seattle. If they lose, the Saints have a chance to force a three-way tie at the top of the NFC South. So Seattle, the fighting Geno Smiths, against Tampa Bay. What do you think, George? Who would have thought that I feel like Geno Smith should beat Tom Brady? Like, I, he absolutely should. Because the, the the Buccaneers' run game is terrible. The O-line is terrible. The defense has been pretty bad. And Tom Brady's looked pedestrian. So give me the Seattle Seahawks, who actually look like a pretty good football team right now. So give yeah. me the Seahawks over there in Germany. All right, James. It took an utter collapse of the Rams – 
for the Buccaneers to finally score their first touchdown of the game in the final seconds of yeah. the game and actually look like a competent offense. I, I feel like even though it's going to be weird, you can almost throw out everything because you're going all the way across the world. Like you have no idea what's going to happen. It feels like you mm-hmm. can throw away everything. It doesn't matter what their records are, who's kind of playing, who's not. But I, I lean towards Seattle as well. I feel like Geno Smith, he's played really well so far, and I feel like they will be better prepared for this trip. Okay. Um, I think uh, I think Seattle's got something to play for. I think they're motivated. I think they're having fun. Um, they're sitting atop uh, the NFC West, one game in the loss uh, ahead in the loss column. Um, against the 49ers. So, and I don't know what to think about Tampa Bay. So I'm hoping, I'm pulling for Seattle and give me the fighting um, Seattle Seahawks to beat Tampa Bay and keep the Saints, jeez, hopes alive. Uh, Unbelievable. Um, So much depends upon the quarterback in this one. The Vikings, nobody's nobody's sold on the Vikings, but all they are is seven and one. All right, seven and one. The Bills is Josh Allen going to play? I don't think he is. Case Keenum is, but this is in Buffalo, Orchard Park. Vikings at the Bills. George, I'm pretty sure Case Keenum would like some revenge for the Vikings kind of throwing him on the trash heap after that, after uh, they won in the playoffs, right? But I like the Vikings in this one. I think they're they're a complete football team. I don't think anybody's mm-hmm. giving them credit. You got great receivers. You run the ball well. You play solid defense. And Kirk Cousins not going to lose you a game. I like the Vikings in this one, especially if Josh Allen's not going to play. Yeah. I like so give me the purple, purple people eaters. I like that offense of the Vikings. Uh, James, Bills, whole serve at home, or do the Vikings take it on the road? I think the fact that whether Josh Allen plays or not, it's going to affect the play of the Bills overall. I think also with everybody being – so worried about the Vikings and like, are they really that good at seven and one? I feel like this is going to be one of those games where it's like, yeah, yeah, we're actually here now. We're actually going to beat up on them. We're going to win by like 10 points, two touchdowns, maybe even 17, just to like rub it in a little bit. I think this is one of those statement games by the Vikings to really push it and be like, hey, look, this is also a 12 o'clock. This isn't a, this isn't a Monday night, Sunday night, Thursday night game for Kirk Cousins. So he's actually going to play well. I want to see Kirk Cousins on the plane with no shirt on, and how many more chains can they put on him? I just don't want to see Adam Schefter do that anymore because that – no, we can't have that. I, I, if Josh Allen doesn't play, the Vikings are going to win. So yeah. give me the Vikings to go and, and get to 8-1 and one and win their seventh game in a row. Um, Cowboys at the Packers. Does, does Aaron Rodgers have anything left in the tank? Does that team have any pride left to play, or is this a chance for the Cowboys to just put a beat down at Lambeau Field, J- uh, George? Oh, this is a revenge game all the way. Mike McCarthy probably hadn't slept all week. He's waiting to bludgeon the Packers, and they will, because because Aaron Rodgers looks like he needs to retire. They have no receivers. They have nothing, and the Cowboys are actually a good football team. This game is going to be a 30-point beatdown okay. in favor of the Cowboys. All right. James, what do you think? I think the Packers, they're at an all-time low. The Cowboys, they still have a lot to play for. They're still trying to get and stay in contention with the Eagles in the NFC East. I feel like exactly. they have more to play for. 
I got to go with the Cowboys in this one. Yeah, uh, they're, they're two games behind the Eagles in the loss column. They've got to keep pace uh, to make their game against the Eagles later on that much more meaningful. Cowboys in a in a route. All right, here we go. And she was in, in 10 seconds or less. Saints at the Steelers. Who's <laughs> go ahead, George. This is going to be a bad football game, but I'm going to watch it. Give me the Saints just, just for the hell of it. Uh, Everybody's hurt. Just but give me the Saints. <laughs> James. This is going to be a terrible game to have to cover. Uh, I'm still going to go with my trend of I'm just going to take them just to like give them an extra fuel of motivation be like, hey, prove you wrong. So I'm going to go with the Steelers. Uh, give me the Steelers so we can go out and get a better head coach uh, than what we've got. Thank how, you. how does that team – how does that team go into a Monday night football game in the Superdome and be listless and, and have no emotion, no, 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 I don't understand it. Nobody can tell me a reason why that's possible. That's coaching. That is players too. fire him. I just, uh, so give me the Steelers. Carmichael. Fire him. Fire him all. time. George, have a great weekend. Thank you, sir. James, thank you as well. We'll be back to wrap it all up on the Friday edition of the Jordy Heltberg show. I really do want the Saints to win. I really do. I changed my pick. Give me the Saints. We'll be back. All right, LSU is um, departing for Arkansas at the top of the hour. They'll get there around, no, actually at 520, they will uh, depart Baton Rouge. They'll get into uh, Arkansas at 605. And then they'll kick it off tomorrow at 11. Big opportunity for the Tigers. Got to be right between the ears. Let's go. Special thanks to all of our guests. Gerald Broussard, Adam Spencer, Larry Holder, Ali Cassell, Little Hoops Talk, uh, Blake Topmeyer, George Faust, George Becknell, James Mesh. Thank you. If today's your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. Demi, Demi Moore is 60 and Jordy Balfort. Jordy, that's right. Named him after me. Leonardo DiCaprio is 48. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you Monday. So long. Have a great one.